Hello there, whoever you are, wherever you are, whenever you are. It's me, Addison, your favourite friendly furball who hangs around the internet. Back with another episode of The Pod of Many Things. And today, it's a bit different because there are three of us on the pod today because I have my favourite co-host or who I've been shilling every episode since he came on, The Flickering Torch. Ben, how are you doing? Hello, everyone. I'm, I'm really good. You know, I kind of work like Beetlejuice. Addison has now said my name enough time to summon me onto his podcast, so here I am to haunt you all. Uh, you can catch me at twitch.tv slash flickeringtorch at 7.30 British Standard Time, summertime Standard Time, <laughs> uh, to see more of Addison and me play games, or you can watch the VODs on youtube.com slash theflickeringtorch. Fucking hell, that shill! Like... Mate, Mitchell, and we have today a guest that we're going to uh, interview today about his uh, amazing, well, I think amazing products, but uh, we're both very curious about it. We've got Mitchell here from Penny for a Tail. Uh, Mitchell, how you doing? Good, yeah, and I, I think it's objectively amazing. Like, yeah, <laughs> subjectively, people might have variations on that, but I feel like objectively, we could just say amazing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I'm uh, Penny for a Tale uh, on all the social medias. Uh, you can find my Twitch channels at Weave the Tale as well as Penny for a Tale. Um, and you can find us at pennyforatale.com. Uh, but yeah, today is today's all about necrobiotic. I am very excited to talk about this. And me and Ben are both a bit gassed now because we've been looking at art. We've been looking through the, uh, the, the stuff. Um, but first, let's get to meet the man. Let's meet the wizard in in Oz before we uh, start diving in. So let's talk to you about you, Mitchell. Uh, tell us your background in tabletop RPGs. Has it always been indies? Have you played the Dragon Game? Tell me about yourself. Oh, the Dragon Game. So it actually started with Dungeons and Dragon Fourth Edition. Um, Ooh, wow. Yeah. Already, like <laughs> the fires of hell. Like, <laughs> yeah, I feel like initiative's about to be called. Like, oh, <laughs> uh, and yeah, it was strangely. I was invited by like a, a local church group. Like my friends who had like a, a a church group. They're like, come on by. Which I was like, this is very weird. Like, this is. I thought this is America. I thought you were guys supposed to burn it and stuff. But okay, that, <laughs> that's fine. Um, and yeah, it, it really wasn't. It was a, a fun experience. I was playing an NPC that ended up just tripping over a table like throughout the whole combat. Uh, me and that table just had a whole fight scene. It was <laughs> it was stupid to watch, but for some reason it, it got me. Um, and and that was in Maryland, uh, kind of around I think 2013, uh, the the bygone era. Um, but after that, when I went back to North Carolina, I was like, this is really cool. Um, but then I just kind of forgot about it until I watched a movie called The Wild Hunt, which is a horror LARP movie, um, which is the truest uh, horror LARP movie you've ever seen. Uh, I know they had Knights of Badassum, but that was like, that's like casual. It's not even that scary. The Wild Hunt is just creepy. Oh, man. And so when I, I watched it, I was like, yes. If you can, you can't see this because we're audio only, but Ben is now Googling this. Like Ben's little eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen Knights of Badassdom because there's one, there's one LARP horror movie where the guy like constantly wants to use real swords or something, and then he like just has a real sword at the end or something. Yeah, I think that's Knights nice, nice of Badassdom. Yeah, has that got like Peter Dinklage in or something? Yeah, yeah, that that's it. I've seen yeah. that one. I might have to watch the wild uh, LARP movies. Always excellent. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, like if you ever. 
ever watch the series LARPs. LARPs is really hilarious, uh, and I enjoyed that. But like Wild Hunt is, I think the the truest horror LARP movie I've ever seen, and I I love horror movies. Uh, so when I watched it, I was like, yes, I need this. Uh, the, the LARP aspect, not the horror. Though I was also enjoying the horror aspect. Um, and so, yeah, I started LARPing for, like, uh, did, like, Mind's Eye Society, Vampire Changeling, uh, Boffer LARP, and stuff like that. And it really wasn't until, like, I did some Dungeons & Dragons, and I toyed around with Pathfinder, uh, where I played, like, the... God, I did not know Pathfinder then. It was It was a really really stupid character i was like hitting people with my scarf and Can uh, truly always know pathfinder though really i don't think so i it, <laughs> pathfinder you need the books you need a computer uh and then you need like an old sage uh somewhere <laughs> around to be like and how it's does that work again it's very true yeah it's well, the, yeah they're like scrying ruins they're like <laughs> grappling <laughs> <work>. <laughs> exactly because they'll be like uh, you look at a monster sheet, and it's like, uh, you know, this acts like this. Okay, what does that mean? You should look at this, because it kind of works like this in this other book. And then you go to that other book, and they're like, well, well this acts like this in this other book. And you're just like, okay. And by the end of it, you're stealing, like, the Constitution from, uh, just, like, <laughs> national treasure. And you're like, somewhere in the back here, I think, is the the rules for this. Um do you and, think and, that the people at Pisa did literally just throw dragon bones and wherever they landed is where they put that rule in a book? Yeah, I, like, I think so. Like... They just... <laughs> I think there's some, like, wizardry going on with Paizo, which is, like, the true secret to their success. Uh, <laughs> and the whole process is just a part of it. Um, so, yeah. I, I, I uh, So, uh, going back to, like, the, the Pathfinder stuff, it wasn't until PAX Unplugged the... The first year it opened that I really got into indie TTRPGs. Uh, and that was about four or five years, I think four years ago, uh, over in Philly. Um, and the first game I picked up, I think, was of Dreams and Magic, uh, as well as the Genesis Rebirth. Um, and then after that, it was just, it's downhill or uphill, depending on like who you ask, because a lot of money has been spent on, on TTRPG books. A lot of a lot of ramen days. Ben's Ben's uh Ben's our uh, our friendship group's resident indie RPG hipster. What, what do you mean? There's no <laughs> There's no ridiculous money <laughs> being spent I, I, there. I see Forbidden Lands there. I saw that earlier. Oh, <laughs> that's my baby. That right oh, there. Yeah. Oh, Get oh, oh. itself. He, he, for Forbidden Lands, ICRPG. Like if you can get Ben on those, which I'm sure you will probably at some point, he, he will he will go. So uh, we'll leave some time at the end for you to nerd <laughs> out and maybe swap indie TTRPG stories. However, yeah. you're developing your own indie TTRPG. Fucking mm -hmm. segues, Ben. Watch this. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but uh, you're developing your own indie ttrpg called necrobiotic for people who haven't been following you on twitter and stuff what's the elevator pitch for necrobiotic how can you best describe it and then i know ben's got some questions about it that he wants to ask like systematically mm -hmm. i want to talk about like the tone and stuff but first necrobiotic you've got uh a minute or so before the guy who you're selling it to is going to get off the elevator and never see you again oh 
I mean, well, first off, I already have them handcuffed to the yeah. uh, thing, so they didn't realize this, but uh, also there's a construct on the outside who's going to be helping me. Oh, yeah. uh, little do they know. Uh, this will also be at the conventions. Uh, but Necrobiotic is a kind of a post-apocalyptic dystopia nightmare TTRPG set behind the walls of Florence in a time where humanity... Uh, went down with a whimper more so than any sort of explosion or, or epic blast. It was just more deaths, less births. It was no explainable cause whatsoever. So humanity had to turn to science and advanced medicine in order to program and bring back to life the dead in order to act as a workforce to support what remains of humanity. And that is necrobiotic. Ciao. That was under a minute. That was. That's that. That's fucking good. Like, what, what do you think, Ben? God, please let me off the elevator. He's handcuffed me. Right? <laughs> yeah, <that's... laughs> the construct has the key, so we'll have to get it. So, uh, me and Ben were talking about the tone. Now, um, I don't know if this is this is uh, kind of my 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 interpretation of of the of the uh card system that you're using mm -hmm. but even though it's set in like florence and there's like almost like this medieval feel to it there's also kind of like i don't know like i feel a bit like it's a bit there's like this almost like this sci-fi western bent to it like because you're using cards and because there's like almost like this lawless like bit to it like ha when you look at like out of action and like um going going beyond the walls of florence sounds like dangerous and frontiery and like you don't know what's out there sort of thing so like florence is like seems to be like this hub of civilization and then go forth my friends and it's always like yeah hey <laughs> like like rapier cowboys like no uh no uh no guns but like yeah we'll draw swords and duel like in that sort of way uh do, is do you agree with that like sentiment or? Uh, I, I definitely think there's aspects of it one of the things we wanted to ensure and in, in stuff that we're kind of getting from the source material is there's uh just like the real world there's like different genres you can emphasize in everything depending on kind of the location and the campaign you want to run um so obviously like outside the walls like uh it's horrific uh you not only do you have the the, the remainder of humanity who pretty much has gone the the kind of expected length of what someone would expect humanity to go to at like the end of the the earth uh so cannibals weird cults and stuff like that but there's also like there's a grain we we already know that there are are a couple of cities who survive the whole process uh and that's kind of will be fleshed out in in later books for people to explore and stuff like that um, but it's like between brigands and, and cannibals who, um, want one fun fact for everyone who wants to play a, uh, a techno font, the power armored, uh, military of, of Florence, uh, is the cannibals haven't really figured out a way to get them out of their armor. So, um, it's almost like eating a turtle from like the top down, uh, if they're interested in Great. that. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very like, and, and techno fonts have seen some horrific things, uh, not to mention the occasional rogue construct needing parts and parts being humanity, um, which uh, the Citadel of Science uh, will, of course, deny. It's okay out there. Don't worry about it. It's all um, good. <laughs> yeah. And then you kind of have the inner city, the uh, which is has a little bit more law and um, where science is respected more than like 
wealth. Um, people trying to get by day to day despite kind of this settling melancholy that's like, will humanity persist? Is it all worth it? Um, why is my dead grandma like power washing the streets? Um, and just kind of all sorts of creepy things that have arisen from the pursuit of science for the sake of humanity's continuation. Um, it's interesting that you say that it's got kind of like multiple genres in because um, just before you you got on, me and Addison were kind of discussing what we thought the kind of genre it was going for, and Addison obviously sort of honed in on this kind of Western aspect. But for me, mm -hmm. it was almost like um, almost like a body horror authoritarian kind of like Renaissance story more than more than a Western. So it's interesting that you kind of have like the outer city, which is almost one genre in itself, and the inner city that's another. Um, which one of those do you think the game focuses the most on in this sort of initial release? Like, mm -hmm. are, you, are you more looking for like the frontiersmen go out and explore, or are you more looking for kind of like the inner city kind of politicking and, and dealing with the, this kind of horror authoritarian aspect? Yeah. So the core rulebook, uh, in terms of setting, deals with more so the inner wall and kind of the farms just outside of the wall and kind of their struggles um we kind of and throughout it as well as some uh secrets throughout the book because i'm a, i've always been a fan of secrets in a, or easter eggs in a book so i feel like invisible sun did this really well with kind of like their secret stuff that brought people to different places on the internet that uh did some lore stuff if you kind of put in a little bit of work to find it and that's kind of our hope too is to show some secrets and teases uh, and tease you on like what's on the outside so that you as the GM can explore and kind of create the the world as you go. Um, but yeah, most of the setting does focus on the the inner walls and kind of the the day-to-day -day going ons of, of Florence and how they're kind of coping with uh, the future. I, I want to ask you about Florence. Uh, mm -hmm. And maybe about uh, do a few more little story beats before we get into like the mechanics of like the cards and stuff and how you came to those decisions. Mm -hmm. But um, like, what I know that Florence was like seen as like the technological capital for a while in terms of like the Renaissance and stuff like that. Is is that genuinely why you chose like Florence as as your city of choice because of the fact that you're you're going for this like oh the Renaissance happened and then like shit went down. Like, and then we had to fix things. Is yeah. that why you chose Florence, or so the uh, the source material all comes from a set of Italian books uh, titled El Giornaggio, uh, done by Valerio Amade. So Valerio, as well as uh, Andrea um, Mamugi, uh, are the kind of uh, they they are like the main creators of of everything. Uh, um, and I kind of just I, I facilitate and, and bring it to the rest of the world as well as help develop um, it and, and further along the IP. Um, so kind of everything is based on the worlds uh, from the, the books, uh, which is set in in Florence. Um, Florence being kind of the uh, uh, not only kind of the, the Renaissance and stuff like that, but the the historical ties, the beautiful villas and such. Um, it has a very, um, especially as we kind of deliver more art, um, 
it, it kind of almost suggests a, a time before, despite like it's still being based on modern uh, Florence, just because of like the grand cathedrals and uh, the beauty of the cityscape and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's kind so of you, got the. Yeah, sorry, you go on. Go on. No, you, like, you go no. first. Um, it's kind of got the kind of. Um, I believe the term is like techno retro or retro futurism kind of thing that almost kind of similar to 40k and that you're bringing those kind of yeah. gothic things with like super high tech stuff um yeah yeah which is very difficult to do in like america because the buildings aren't as old uh and don't have that kind of uh look about it uh, i was yeah. gonna i was that's what i was actually gonna ask ben like is did you choose that like time almost like timeless aesthetic mm -hmm. for, of florence because of the fact that in in many other cities you don't have that like um like these villas and these grand like sculptures and and cathedrals and stuff like that whereas uh in florence and like in a lot of italy you have that like you can go around rome and you see all the plazas and the and the uh what they call columns and stuff like that whereas yeah you could do that in in america in new york you, you yeah it just, it just couldn't happen it would be it, it would be a, a typical post-apocalyptic and I, I think what i want for people to pull when playing is like yeah like you almost see the passage of time for humanity as you're looking at the old buildings the old pieces of art and then you look at a construct, which is kind of like the the pinnacle of what humanity has achieved in the, the time that's passed on before. Um, and especially for for people living in Florence, because like medicine has advanced to such a degree that almost everything can be cured or replaced. Um, yeah. A 100-year-old person looks more like a 50-year-old person, uh, just because he can kind of replace failing organs uh you lose something like a, an eye or um uh, something an affection start they just kind of they can cut away that aspect and just replace it with a, a body piece or even grow uh, um uh, another piece for you though it's more expensive hmm. um one of the things that i was going to ask about is like uh is actually i feel as though with with uh, necrobiotic. I keep having to check myself and not call it necropunk. No, um, me too. Uh, like, yeah. I, like, I was like necro. Something. Although, although I am sad you didn't call it something like necrology, like technology. Oh, and necro. Man, uh, that would but, have been good. But um, so um, <laughs> one of the things that I, I quite like about the the Florence that you've created, especially in a city, is it's very e it's very easy in in post apocalyptic worlds to just go completely desolate. Everybody's out to destroy each other see metro see fallout see uh other games as well whereas i feel as if in florence like life uh, in in some perverted way still goes on like that like there is a society and there is like there there is a city that functions even though the function of it the cogs are a bit weird and don't go together like yeah whereas it's not like oh yeah scavenging for everything like looking for bottle caps like no you can you can have a house and you can live here and like like um what made you decide to make that kind of choice rather than just going the the, the stereotypical like yeah you're you're surviving the tunnels of the metro <laughs> like, yeah like i think people have done that before uh in in so much uh times in 
And so like here in, in Florence, like there, there's a technocracy, there's a government, uh, there's 50,000 people living in uh, Florence uh, during the kind of the, the setting of the book, which is still a lot of people though, like drastically less than the population of Florence uh, during our time. Um, and there, there's trains, um, there's a society, there's, there's parties as people kind of start to figure out what life is going to be like. Um, there's military, there's law enforcement. Um, it's a society that is kind of, uh, it's moving forward despite, uh, the things that has happened around it. And I think having the, um, the the lack of uh resource necessity in the in the the setting is kind of makes it stand out because you're not worried about what am i going to eat you're worried about like why why do i persist uh and what's it going to take to keep humanity going on what's the answer and why is this all happening to us and really kind of what does life mean uh if people can come back in in like a program fashion and um it kind of just kind of more like a a question of why than how to live yeah reading it it was kind of scarier that the mundane stuff goes on at the end of the world and yeah. like no matter what you've still got to like get up clean your house the streets are going to get cleaned like even though humanity's dying i thought that was super interesting yeah and what i really like to do for one shots is kind of set because because florence has so much space it's used to uh a, a greater amount of people um and florence the the well the citadel science ever the optimist uh continues to have constructs clean and prepare every apartment and house for humanity despite like there being empty streets where just no one lives um mansions go like unlived in uh large condos or apartments cathedrals uh unattended um and then you go to a cafe and you kind of pull the crawf out of the chest cavity of a construct whose whole job is to keep warm and brew this coffee uh and and kind of pour it out for you if if needed um and just like this regular cafe area where you may meet with your uh with friends uh, that morning before you're going off on a shift. Mm. That's so metal. That's so cool. It is. It <laughs> is. And like the fact that you know, like, because everybody would know, like, what that that's a person. That well, that yeah. was a person. And mm -hmm. it now make it now just makes me coffee. And even with like in the art, you see them like they've they've kind of like covered. It looks like they've almost covered their faces, or like put on a new head so that to, yeah. like, almost take that away. The, take, the yeah yeah the early days of the contract program they did not uh alter anything on the exterior and they found that that was too damaging to the human psyche uh it it elicited it elicited too much terror people were creeped out and so what they began to do was they removed kind of all of the the the, the meaty bits of uh, a human person and then tan and leather the skin so that it kind of has pulled taunt on the skeletal uh features which is why they kind of look like uh tanned and brown mannequins with yeah. little steampunk parts coming out of the the back 
the fact that like ben said the fact that that's that's scary that they had to test that that they had to like they had to yeah. figure that out <laughs> <laughs> like, like maybe maybe dead people walking around is not a yeah, good maybe, idea for everybody yeah. else <laughs> like, like, yeah that, that test community must have been like horrific like staring out the windows like is that is my sister like power washing the street didn't you just <laughs> yeah. bury her and it's like oh god that's grim but yeah no i i is metal i do agree um so let's talk about the this because we've talked a bit about like florence and like the characters mm-hmm. like i like there's there's two illustrations that i really like that you've sent us one of them is is like the guy in the he's like in the military uniform he's got like a rapier and he's like um yeah strike that looks that looks but actually my favorite one i think i don't know if he's a construct or if he has any cybernetics but he almost looks like dorian gray there's like a uh it's just like a guy in like a shadowy uh yeah long kind of yeah white, long, gray white hair, hair yeah. and such yeah yeah like it and like i think that the art in this is so good so before we move on to like the more um crunchy like the system mm-hmm. so you could ben can like do his thing and and kick ass and like ask the the hard-hitting questions um <laughs> um, um uh, the art in this is phenomenal it's one of the reasons why i i've been so like i've i've seen it and i've loved it since since day one since i saw that first picture both the animated and the still version of of like the cover image oh yeah yeah um, animated version there is, there is yeah, our 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 artist has uh she's an animator uh and has two little shorts on youtube uh which are fantastic and beautiful um and yeah i was like wait hold on can you just animate this for me like can we can we and she's like yeah totally and i was like oh my god <laughs> and it was just gorgeous i i wish i could figure out a way to we'll just put tv screens on the front of every book and just have them animated stretch goal you know <laughs> just yeah. a, a, you got kindle on the front of it yeah exactly um, yeah so how about you t- tell us about these artists and like how you came up with i know that you've obviously said you've got the aesthetic from like this mm-hmm. book but um how did you like liaise with them who are they like what why did you pick them sort of thing yeah so actually the uh the book and everything had more of a a pencil drawn look uh done by a, a guy named uh stefano simone uh, in Italy. Um, and I, I, I really like it and enjoy it, but I really wanted to kind of capture, um, something with, with color and, and shadow. Um, and I, I love kind of that art style. So, uh, with every kind of TTRPG project that I start on, art is kind of one of the first things I look at because I, I, I am very inspired by looking at things. Um, and when I came across uh, Haley Lee's, uh, or I think Honey Oink uh, is her name on Twitter, um, when I saw her work, it was it, it was so filled with melancholy, and it almost had like a a more sophisticated Tim Burton vibe, in my opinion. Um, I can see that. Yeah, and and so I was like. Yes, and I, I talked to her, uh, and she's uh, in in China right now, um, and we had a conversation, and, and she was on board. And after that, like, what I really appreciate is the fact that I don't have to do much art direction, and she'll she'll come back with a way better idea than I ever had for a piece, uh, and just go with it. Her her ability to just kind of know the setting and, and understand what what it's going through, what we're trying to do, was amazing. Um, 
so it's just really cool to to have her on board um and every time like she has uh there's two more art pieces coming before the Kickstarter. One is the Technosophist, um, which shows off them looking through the junk pile and finding like an old doll, uh, kind of almost reminiscent of the Gears of, yeah, Gears of War, like their first trailer with uh, markets kind of going through the streets and seeing like this little doll of like a, a bygone era. Where he um, jumps into the building and it's like dark. Mm -hmm. Is that the way you're talking about? Yeah, I got you guys. Yeah. And then the other one uh, kind of shows off the uh, kind of piecemeal uh, of what humanity is. So someone who's kind of uh, replacing parts throughout their body in order to continue living. Uh, so have like the little scar marks for replaced arms or fingers, uh, parts of the flesh on the exterior, um, as well as the horrors of the construct. Um, so yeah, she's done amazing. <laughs> Yeah, the, the art is is super cool and also kind of not what you would expect a book about um, kind of like a medieval, almost like corpse ridden like yeah. future. Like it's it, uh, this is this is probably not the correct art term for it, but it's almost got that kind of like uh, you know the Disney animation style. Yeah, kind of look yeah. To it. Yeah, Whereas, it's very. Uh, it looks kind of like the sketchboards for like a tangled uh, movie or something like that. Yeah, if you really wanted to <laughs> horrify some children, you'd show yeah. them that, that movie. Uh, yeah, so to me, that was that was really interesting that you went kind of that art direction-wise. Um, that My favorite piece, I have to say, is the constructs, because I read um, in the in the sort of setting information that we were sent over, um, the idea of these sort of like mannequin-esque corpses in, in the field. Um and, and we, we were discussing kind of before we started recording, which was a little bit of faux pas on my behalf. Um, <laughs> you say you've, you kind of have two camps of people who look at the, the art. So can you just really quickly just reiterate yeah. that? Yeah, we uh, so the, the two camps are the people who see like uh, the front cover, the um, the architect, uh, the redheaded architect with like the tank top and everything like that. Um, and it was like in the 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 couple kind of staring at each other and they're like oh this looks like very like macabre like i want to explore this uh this world uh and oh god that art looks so pretty uh and then you see like the people who look at more so the original cover for the book which is that construct being put together the early day construct the eyeball into the face or the the modern day in in our setting the construct sweeping the street or um the other individual the the dark shadows and such as he kind of stares off into the distance like they see that and they're like oh god the horror like there's so much creepiness there that i want to explore like is that a dead body with a street lamp sticking out of its spinal column? Like, that's awesome. I, I want that. Um, so it's been really interesting seeing, like, what people uh, grab on as they look through the art and such. Um, and even, uh, that's our main artist, but, like, if you check out the the spot art, too, which kind of showcases some of the the more uh, very nuanced aspects of the, uh, the setting, one of which is like this uh, black and white hand-drawn, almost like weird. It, it looks like someone put two constructs on top of a horse and gave it a flail. Uh, as oh, well the as a rocket or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you, you know, some architect had a lot of fun putting that together. 
um and so it kind of gives you more of a example of the the darker aspect i'm not gonna lie in that in that folder that doctor's one freaks me the fuck out like (laughs) it's really like i've got it open now i'm like oh like like i I I think i'm gonna animate that and just have the eyeball figure out it's just flick around and follow you i think that would be really cool yeah like they they have um i was talking about the one where it's like doctors where it's like the the fuzzy oh yeah yeah um, the black and yeah yeah yeah. that was oh so very important because like (laughs) for for someone either you're you're in the operating table or you're dead um (laughs) and this is kind of the first thing you see is these architects cutting and and splicing you open i appreciate how faceless they look as well like they're not wearing traditional surgical masks they just kind of look like goggles in kind of blank space that's that's, this uh, this art is so cool yeah, yeah in this the black and white is done by a artist uh named nelly Sorensen over here in baltimore uh and i just had a meeting with her yesterday uh she was kind of going through what to produce next and i think that's that's kind of what i really wanted was when someone's looking through the book to to not get too comfortable with one sort of style and then to just kind of be like holy heck why are these people staring at me and i'm just like i don't know uh no it is it is good like like i'm definitely the former the person who's like oh this looks so pretty i want to explore and by the sounds of thing ben's that guy like give me all the creepy stuff give it to me (laughs) get it directly into my veins like i want it in my nightmares or i don't want it anywhere (laughs) yeah we we had a one shot the other day where uh they were hunting down a nativity construct who had gone rogue, so we were starting to kill uh, parents to take their babies to take care of them. Um, and of course, oh. like replacing its failing organs with other constructs, other nativity, like uh, uh, caring bots or constructs. Uh, and so it was like this horrendous, like, oh man, I hate to use the word, but construct centipede uh, at the end of it, like just holding all these little little babies in its arms like lovingly and they had to try to like take it out while like trying to get the babies safe and sound um because another important aspect of the the setting is like life is so very important because there's not much of us left and we don't know if in a hundred years will there be people around to continue on things um so when a baby shows up it's it's very important um really everyone is desperately like the hardcore murderers um the people who are just kind of prone to that sort of violence even have a uh, a kind of hesitancy to taking life just because it's every life taken is another notch in the uh, the death of humanity um it's kind of this resounding feeling that everyone has Uh, so part of the setting is like don't don't kill anyone it's it's a huge taboo um yeah so if we look at look at that then how how you would go about killing someone the the mechanics of the game mm-hmm. now one of the reasons why I, I got like this this almost like space western even though it's like very medieval setting mm-hmm. is, is is the use of cards and ben's ben's got some questions about this so yeah. ben ben because uh, I, I i i'm just like this is kind of cool like I, I like I like the the idea of it. I couldn't explain it to anyone. If they asked me, I'd just go. Uh, each of the suits means something. 
uh, like, yeah. <laughs> um, like we'd have to play, and they're like, I'm not going to play a, a TTRPG that uses cards <laughs> as a like, because obviously we're used to rolling dice and being yeah. dice goblins. So, um, Ben, take it away. What help so, me? So it was very briefly touched on, but I, I, I do actually have some some genuine questions. Do you want to give a quick rundown of uh, the system, just so listeners aren't are just out in yeah. the wind. Don't, don't. Yeah, so it uses a standard deck, uh, a poker uh, deck, and every person needs their own deck of cards for this. What we discovered actually two weeks ago is that you can use a tarot deck, which totally like escaped my mind. Uh, but as a fan of tarot decks in general, um, I was really good. excited. Yeah, yeah, I was like, hell yes. And so now because of that, we'll definitely have a subsection to be like, well, you can use a standard deck, which is kind of the default and assumption. But if you want to use a tarot deck, that's totally cool. And here's how you kind of translate it, uh, which is just going to be a little nice. blurb. It's really easy. Nice. Um, but yeah, the, a standard deck of cards. And when you're looking at your character sheet, your kind of features or kind of uh, ability scores uh, would be kind of the... Uh, the cinnamon there. Um, you have flesh, uh, which is kind of your charisma, how people view you, how you communicate with other people. You have steel, which is like your physical abilities. Um, you have steam, which is kind of more of a mental thing. And then you have gear, uh, which is the thing that makes you special or like your character archetype, uh, what you've been trained to do. And between those, each one represents a suit, flesh being hearts, uh, steel being diamond, steam being clubs, gear being spades. So when you're making a, a character, uh, well, specifically the character deck, you're kind of putting those um, those numbers together and making a very small uh, deck of cards. So the other part of the deck, you just kind of toss to the side. It's not being used uh, for, for the game. You have that very small deck of cards. And at the beginning of the day, you draw up to six. Uh, and that's kind of your breath, your morning breath. Uh, whenever you want to take a short break, you kind of take another breather and you kind of draw back up to six. But throughout the day, you play these cards to get gain successes. And there's two ways of gaining successes. One is playing a card that matches the action with the suit. So for steel, which is diamonds, uh, the kind of physical athletics, if you're trying to jump over a roof and you play a diamonds, no matter what the uh, numeric value is on that card, you automatically get one success. Um, the other way is getting eight or a 16 um really a multiple of eight but you know past 16 it gets very very difficult uh, because you can only play one card unless you are trained in it then you can play two cards so usually you kind of go between one or two successes with if you're trained at it you can potentially get three successes um the reason kind of we did this and stuff was we wanted people to have the ability to, at the beginning of the day, almost like spoons, you kind of understand what you want to do that day and what you want to focus on. Um, and then just kind of respond based on your priorities um, instead of a, a kind of a random chance. And there is some aspects of randomness. Whenever you run out of cards, you just blind draw from the top. Uh, or you could push the roll uh, or push the draw, which is to, to blind pick uh, the top again. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the, the basis of the system. So, um, on, on the first read, yeah, mm -hmm. um, I was, I, I think this is kind of where some people get like the frontier idea from traditionally in role-playing games. Like if you're using a deck of cards, it's 
it's kind of because the cards have almost like a narrative purpose. Like I think Deadlands uses them because it's supposed to be like playing yeah. poker or whatever. Mm -hmm. So in in sort of in your eyes, are you using the deck of cards just to kind of facilitate the mechanic? Or is there like a thematic reason behind it being a deck of cards? Yeah, it's kind of um, in in my viewpoint, uh, and uh, the other creators and stuff have kind of different viewpoints. But for me, it was just like in the setting where um, humanity is doing okay now, uh, but it's just kind of like every little resource spent uh, or every little human life lost is kind of like it's a it's a gamble to figure out is it worth it and uh do we persist on and so uh for the the deck of cards having it kind of drawn out you can kind of see what your day is going to be like um so there's a little bit more known uh quantity in terms of what you're going to be able to achieve when you first draw those cards um and so i kind of like that and then there's a lot of back and forth between the gm and the players um as they deal out consequences like uh if you're jumping over the roof you can deal out two consequences one being like um you take damage uh the other being uh you are slowed down depending on who you who, who you could be pursuing uh over the rooftops and so you have to look at your your deck and be like well if i don't have enough to achieve both successes or if I want to save some of my diamond cards for another time, um, what's more important to me? Is it catching this person uh, in which I would take some damage uh, and sacrifice a little bit of myself to, to gain that? Or uh, do I protect myself first and foremost and kind of let them take more of a lead and, and ignore the consequence of damage? Um, so it's just kind of a... a a compromising like yes and uh between the gm and the the player via the use of these cards um which i really enjoy uh it feels like more of a conversation for me yeah i i, I really like that um i think one of the things i actually uh like which you don't really get in a lot of rpgs is when you're when you play a card like you you can describe your action in a way because you already know yeah kind of if you've got a success whereas in like a lot of games you're kind of like i jump over the I jump over the ravine, you roll the dice, and you're like, I guess I didn't do that at all. So I, <laughs> I, I kind of, <laughs> Yeah, I really like the idea that you've kind of got this this known quantity of, I am going to succeed at this, at least partially. Yeah. Um, it's very cinematic, and I like... Yeah, and especially... Your, your Thing of Spoons was a good one as well. Like, yeah. Like, you know that you're running out. Like, things are gonna... Yeah. Yeah, and oh, I especially yeah. like uh, like if you're not good at something, if you only have like three flesh or three heart cards in your entire deck, but you happen to be lucky enough to get one heart uh, for your first breath or, or during a certain like scenario, you can be like, even if I'm not great at this, like I know at least sometime today I will be successful at least eliminate one consequence in a social encounter. Uh, so even if you're just like a big buff uh, type of person, you have that that chance uh, or you 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 have a an opportunity there that you know you will have um it's just a matter of when and, and how you decide to pursue it um so i always enjoyed that because i people are definitely multifaceted and charisma especially has so much nuance about it uh, that it's hard to capture in a ttrpg so having the ability for someone who just kind of dumps charisma to to be able to be like yes well at least this 
scenario, I'm going to own it uh, because I've kind of saved myself for this moment. I don't think um, we've gone over the face cards yet. They're they're different in that you they sort of if I'm if I'm reading it right, almost mm -hmm. trigger special uh, almost like abilities, right? So if you if you could just give us a quick rundown of the of the, kind of the face cards, I think that would be yeah, great. definitely. So <clears throat> you have the the Jack Queen and the the King um and jack uh especially during character creation which will kind of uh we'll be showing off some of that stuff during the kickstarter uh jack represents like your knowledge and experience uh and the the queen is more so like um uh physical characteristics that you might have on hand that are kind of important to your character and help define it um so between those two you usually choose one of those uh that you create and and put in your your deck and this always represents another suit uh, that you have in your deck. But what it does is by having it in your deck, it gives you a special ability or, or something special that you can use uh, throughout all of play. So it doesn't even have to come up in your hand. Uh, it, it could just not come up at all during gameplay. But because it's in your deck, it's just kind of a part of who you are. Um, one of my uh, looking at the the character uh pre-gen and stuff there's one that because you're like had such a down and out life that having this jack in your your deck allows you to blind draw two and choose whichever you want instead of just blind drawing one um which is one of my favorites or martial arts for the techno font which gives them like an additional damage uh for all their attacks um and the the king is a flaw though the king allows you to because you can only put in one jack or one queen um bringing in a flaw provides you uh the other uh type of card into your deck too but that flaw uh will be around for you during all of play and that that flaw can still be used for successes you just kind of it's also a narrative note to be like well how does how does your flaw kind of get in the way despite you having a success here? So for the Technophon, it's, it's these large scars uh, and such that have kind of accrued over uh, what could potentially be almost a century of battle. Yeah, I I really love this, this, this. It's almost like your character is the deck. Like, I, mm -hmm. I think that works super, super well. Um I don't know why the king is the worst thing you can have. That to me seems very <laughs> weird. Uh, when I first yeah. read it, I was like, uh, "What?" I, 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 I wonder if um, sort of my first reading of it was maybe like, "Do you uh, get to accrue more kings?" Like if you take like maybe critical injuries or something. Like why have you chosen king to be the worst thing? over like the joker is he's like a special ability kind of thing yeah yeah like the the joker is like the the critical card that's in every deck uh that is just like your moment to shine the jack and the queen are kind of aspects of your character and the king yeah is that that flaw um and so for for us it just kind of was the what what kind of what what do people recognize first and foremost in a person uh, and I think especially in this almost melancholy-esque setting, uh, flaws are are more apparent than kind of the, the goodness of a person. Um, so in terms of the techno font, you're more likely to recognize and uh, nod to the scars on this person's face than their ability to do martial arts. Um, and, and so I think that's kind of a reflection of the, the setting. Mm. I, I do like that thematic choice because like, 
uh, one of the things I was struggling with when I first read it, and I've read it a couple mm-hmm. of times now, was, was like, how do you build a deck then? Because like, I was like, do I need all 52 cards? Is there only a certain amount? Like, is there... Because um, you, you have to win in multiples of eight, so I played the eight of hearts as my... Mm-hmm. my flesh roll do i get both successes because yeah. technically i've done i've done both what's to stop me from um just loading my deck with all the eights and the fours like <laughs> yeah um, so, so uh yeah it was yeah that's my question how how does one build a deck like properly yeah so uh looking at the the pregens and such um the the features or kind of ability scores uh you're going up from the the lowest uh which is an ace all the way up to that number within that suit so flesh six would be you add uh hearts one or hearts uh, eight of hearts uh a two of hearts a three of hearts all the way up to you get the six of hearts and you set that aside, and then you go on to the next feature, which is uh, steel. Oh, so you go okay. ace of steel, two of steel, oh, three of steel. You you pop that on, and that that's kind of you. You start to build your deck from those features, and then you, uh, with the pregens at least, make the choice of like, do I want the king in my hand, or do I just want one jack or one queen um, in my hand? So or in my deck, uh, and so yeah, the 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 deck becomes a reflection of who you are and just like the coolness i felt whenever i would go to a Yu-Gi-Oh tournament which would inevitably end with me losing um at all the toys r us tournaments i went to um i like the feeling of like your deck being yours uh and special to you so, yeah. mm. addison i'm gonna try and get your scoop here you don't have to answer this on the kickstarter as a scratch goal is there a pack of playing cards? <laughs> yes. There's your scoop, Addison. There you go. Hey, there we go. There we go. No, that's that is sick though. Like, because oh, I was just like, I, I'm trying. I'm looking at the the creating the character deck part like right now. Like I'm looking yeah. at it. And I was like, to create it, each player must contain each suit ranging from ace to the value match the suit's corresponding ability. So I was like. So is it just their stat, or have I, have I missed something? Like, I, I, yeah, I was, we, we should probably was, change that. To I was number. like reading it and just like, what? Or, or just give an example. Like the example you just gave made it so much clearer. Like if you're steal a six, put cards ace through to six. Yeah, and that's um, kind of um, when the the quick start rolls out in the core rule book. Uh, we fully intend to kind of use the the deck of cards that we're creating as kind of an example right below, so that you can be like, okay, even it, like for especially me who's a very visual person, when I read something, I'll just oh, be like, I still look fucking beautiful in that yeah. book as well. It's gonna look like so I don't good. understand this. What the <laughs> what the hell is this picture? And then I see the pictures, I was like, okay, I get it now. Picture book, yeah. I, got, I got this. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's that is sick. But no, uh, I'm, I'm like, oh, you know, when you have that light bulb moment, like, in, yeah, is it, is it the Minions movie or, or Despicable Me? Where it goes light bulb, uh, like that's that's me right now. That is, I, yeah. Yeah, like, I'm like, it finally makes sense to me. Um, this is rule books to come with an IKEA picture book of how to play it. Yeah, yeah, this is true. I do, I do, I do. I do misread rules all the time. I'm not gonna lie. Even in games that oh. I've like read cover to cover multiple times, like yeah, every time I re- I read Shadowrun, I'm like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> 
Ben's most successful successful video is explaining Shadowrun, isn't it, Ben? (laughs) That's a rough one, isn't it? (laughs) Shadowrun, I think the rule is just as many D6s as you can fit in a (laughs) four-point. Yeah, like, if your GM's drowning in D6s, I think you're doing it right. So (laughs) just keep throwing D6s at them. I would never get a single rule wrong, ever. Especially I wouldn't get a rule wrong and then release a whole video with the rules that are wrong. That would be ridiculous. Oh, you, did, man. you didn't do that for Hieronymus, did you? Yeah, I didn't do that. Sorry, Laurie. Sorry, Laurie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. I did that for uh, Cult Divinity Lost when I was first playing it, uh, the Power by the Apocalypse uh, TTRPG. It uses D10s for like 2D10s for all of its actions. And I was thinking like other Powered by the Apocalypse games, so I made everyone do 2D6. And they were wondering why like horrific things were happening to them like all the time. And I was just like, no, that's part of the setting. And then afterwards, someone put on the comments, they're like, it's, isn't it 2D10? And I'm like, yeah, you right. <laughs> right? Uh, like the, the Peter Griffin thing when he bangs the like. <sighs> <laughs> but then it, it came out to be really cool because when I play it now, I'm like, all right, there's nightmare mode, which is dropping your 2D10 to 2D6. And then there's 2020 mode, which is just dropping it down to 2D4 and watching yeah. you cry. So, Oh, I thought 2020 mode was going to be rolled 2D20s. <laughs> no, no. 2D4s because you will always fail most of the time. <laughs> I love the fact that you've gone from like it's like a. Have you ever played Devil May Cry? There's there's yeah. a, a, the the Devil May Cry difficulty that is literally Dante must die. Like you're like, yep, there we go. Like there we. Go. Yeah, yeah. There it's like, oh man, you're just gonna fail this combat roll. You're gonna fail that look. That monster is definitely gonna bite your arm off. Like just, uh, it's not a bug. It's a feature. Exactly. <laughs> like welcome to 2020. It's weird. But, but yeah. Uh, have you got any more uh, system questions, Ben? About all robot? of my system questions were almost answered in that first in the first rules intro. I'm going to be honest. So yeah. all of my system questions are over. Yeah, but yeah, no. Yeah. Um, you may rest easy now. Yeah, with <laughs> oh, yeah. Ben, Ben's Ben's had the spotlight on. You haven't seen it, but he's like almost like. Tommy, trying to light inside the thing. Yeah. Um, oh, you were wondering how people like take damage and and stuff. Uh, yeah. Which I, I think is a very good reflection on how like dirty and dark the setting can be. Um, and that's every time you are dealt a damaging consequence, the you pretty much have a track from zero to four. Uh, zero is the narrative note that things aren't going well. So you get that scratch on your eye as blood starts kind of uh, pulling around your your eyeball and under your cheek and stuff, and it's getting hard to see. Uh, or maybe they kind of uh, rip off a finger. Um, and then every damage up till four after that is a cumulative uh, minus one success to all your actions within that suit. So if it's like physical damage, it's steel, but you also have like social consequences uh mental consequences that will affect your your ability to kind of gain successes within those suits um and then once you hit four no matter which ability track you're kind of uh notching these uh trauma in uh you're just dead Mm. i was gonna say one of the things that i really like about and you kind of referenced it when we were talking about the the card system was this like two consequence system where Mm. like it's always a conversation like you will suffer either one consequence two consequences or in some you can like by the sounds of yeah. it, the machinists can like go 
I think the most you say is maybe three. You say like there might yeah, be that, three that... consequences. Yeah, like and like I I like that because it's almost like the blades in the dark system. Like you succeed, but like um, yeah, um, it was what was the the thinking behind that in terms of like so D and D the dragon game like. Mm-hmm. When you succeed, you succeed, and you do yeah. cool shit, and rah, rah, rah. Um, kind of the same in Mecha Hack that we play at the minute. Like you do cool shit when you succeed. Like that's just how it is. What made you decide to go more that like Blades in the Dark, that more um, almost degrees of success yeah. that we see in a lot of D twenty systems? Why did you go for that rather than just like straight up power fantasy or straight up like yeah, you just you just win? Yeah, for for us, I think the setting is always like progress, but like at what cost? Uh, mm. And so in combat, everything is like, well, I could go all out on attack and hope that I can just obliterate this thing in one turn, or I could take a more defensive role and just use my successes to to try to find a solution that could save me from this predicament, and or you could just go with a balanced thing. But either one has a a flaw and a consequence in pursuing it. So every, every, especially in combat, every step forward has potential to bring you a step back, depending on kind of how severe the consequences are. Um, one of my favorite things is, uh, and especially, which I haven't really got to do in a, a one shot yet, uh, but is have like these epic fights where there's multiple people and consequences being thrown out all over the place. Because one of my favorite aspects is the ability to kind of negate consequences for someone else. So uh, you can just kind of at the take the brunt of the damage yourself in order to kind of use your huge techno-powered sword to block a construct from ripping asunder your uh, your architect friend. And so they don't have to deal with the consequences going towards them, but you take all the consequence. Um, and it's just kind of that collaborative, uh, like, yes, but, yes, and, uh, that's just kind of the, the combat system, as well as the system in general, kind of emphasizes. Mm. I do, I do like that. I think it's very narratively fitting, and, like, um, I like the, like, I, I always like things that go at what cost. Like, when I, when I write stories or I write campaigns, even when my players succeed, there's usually something that they forgot or something that's like underneath and ben knows this quite well like in in, in mecha hack at the minute we've been i've been pretty mean at times um but, <laughs> <The> times um, <laughs> all, all the time um but yeah so i i really like that idea of of almost yeah you can block this that's fine you can take this bullet for your friend however mm-hmm. like you're not going to walk this off like the John Wick esque, uh, yeah, like superhuman. You are going to probably need to do something about this in the future, otherwise your your arm is is fucked and like, like you you now can't wield your sword properly, which is then going to have more consequences because you're not going to be able to block as much damage. Like this, it's almost like yeah. dominoes. Yeah, it is. Like once you get that f- the the second trauma and you have a minus 1 to all your successes, like you're just dealing out a success every turn just to to nullify that consequence on you. Uh and so everything after that is just is is bread pudding, but it's tough to get there. Um, yeah. Um uh, so 
when when do you think this is gonna this is gonna happen? When when are we gonna see Necrobite up and about? When are people where are people gonna be able to find it? What's what's like the goal with it? Like your long term goal? Because this isn't out yet. Like we've been given a very like mm-hmm. like yeah very like, very early days. Draft, yeah, but like yeah. when are we when are we gonna see this? And what's like your your roadmap? you will yeah so may 12th uh is the launch of the kickstarter um and that that will kind of be the best indication on the the success of it will be the best indication on kind of what our roadmap will be um we're looking at a turnaround of about february uh 20 uh 22 right that's next year um to have it to give it a to have it in people's hands before gen con uh here in the u.s um there's even a potential because most of the stuff is written and, and done uh there's even a potential to have it sent off uh right before christmas um but of course kickstarter like there's always something going on that that postpones it uh but our our roadmap is uh next year we would love to start uh releasing supplements that kind of uh explain like the other cities that are out there that are doing well in the kind of the society that they've built um we have uh a new faction called the children of the river which um uh, kind of a little teaser one of them went into the wilderness and found a construct who could speak uh and philosophize and stuff and so he comes back to florence and says that constructs are, are bad and evil they're actually like people um and so there's this kind of a, a faction growing within florence that starts to turn things over on its head um the ability to play a construct like a template uh if your character dies um <clears throat> is something that we're exploring and and want to facilitate um yeah there, there's a lot of secrets and stuff that we we want to we want to explore and to have people try out and, and play so that's kind of our, our next supplement roadmap there is having this happen and and continuing to develop the world because uh, the world, since it's based on the books, like it, it has the arc is done and over with. The books are done, so we have. Uh, and, and what I want is for like the story to continue on as the years go on, and for like the next time you play with the next supplement, you're like these things have changed in the world. Uh, this is how I impacted them, and then what's the next step as humanity starts to recover from this horrendous uh, event? Uh. I'm going to ask Ben a question. I'm going to turn things on their head. Ben. Oh, God. One of these supplements comes out. It's a city you want. What city is it? Oh. York. Leeds. Leeds is the one. Leeds has Leeds got the one. I, I tell you which which one I would want if, if, if it was available. Kyoto in, in Japan. Yeah. Like that, that, that would be... That, oh. Like... Like the 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 like the really ancient buildings around like and then yes just like these massive like like technological like monoliths you're like uh, uh, like yeah um, like that this. would be oh I would love that uh, love for that to happen especially since the towns are so isolated this kind of introduction of different ways that they have coped like did they go with the construct route or did they try something else entirely. Um, so it really kind of releases more of a uh, a weird world that you can explore um, that I'm really happy to, to kind of see people. And all like I love watching other people play it because they always bring to mind things that I'm like, oh man, I did not think of that. That should that should be in the book. 
uh, which is my favorite part. I I I think one of the coolest things because Ben, you're you're currently doing something on your channel where you're trying to create your own TPRPG at the moment. And yes. The, um, like so, you've got you've got Mitchell here who's doing it, who's who's living that dream. Like one of the things that I can imagine for both of you is is wanting to watch people like play and enjoy that is that is that the truth like that the thing you want to do is like have this thing in people's hands or on people's computers and they're running it with their friends and like seeing them use it is 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 the is the best thing i mean i'm more excited to play it myself because i'm selfish <laughs> but now i'm also more excited to play necrobiotic because that oh yeah i mean for first. me i've Ooh. only played necrobiotic one time uh, and I've just been running it uh, all the other times. Uh, and it was really fun to play, but um, uh, Friends Who Rolled Dice uh, did a stream of it the other day. Um, and it was it was the thirstiest one shot I've ever seen of Necrobiotic. And I was like, this is so amazing. I, I love it. And, and to see kind of uh, how romance blossoms even in like a, a post-apocalyptic dystopian setting was really cool to see and now i'm like well I, I want to explore like what does what does like the joining of people look like uh in the in the setting and like how can we because relationships are, are so important and I, it's definitely something i want to emphasize in the game um and so seeing that was really cool <laughs> you have a cool opportunity there to go like proper like new uh what's it brave new world slash handmaid's tale there because obviously life being so precious like we're only breeding the right people like yeah that, it's that, like that, oh god that, that like night that like like breaking away from that and like because i i find that terrifying as well like me and my wife have always talked about the fact that like oh people telling you what you can do with your body or like uh, uh, yeah, oh, it, it just gives me the heebie-jeebie. Yeah, like, oh, yeah. God, and that's, like, horrific to explore, like, um, the, I mean, in, in the Citadel law, your body is not your body once it's dead. Like, it's illegal for someone else to try to bury you or cremate you or, or kind of mess with you in any way, so the fact that people aren't allowed to kind of have this ceremony, which humanity has been wrapped up in uh, ceremonies surrounding the dead for since the beginning um, and, and kind of what does that do to a person uh, and then kind of the the fact that you know I, I talked to you earlier about this construct that talk to people like what does that mean and the fact that we have this these construct workforce is it is it slavery is the things that humanity is doing is this like super wrong and they just don't know they're doing it or maybe someone knows out there that they're doing it like it's just so many like questions about um morality and, and what does it take to, to survive and is it worth it and stuff that i'm really interested in seeing people kind of explore the different uh theories that they might have concerning the setting and and finding out how deep that rabbit hole goes so see like a really interesting campaign could be like you're you keep getting sent to people like to constructs that are talking and it just like you keep having to figure out like almost like having to Turing test or like uh yeah. Blade Runner esque, like figure out which ones of them are actually just programmed to say things very intelligently or not. Like yeah. a bunch of things come to mind for like running like you could do so many different campaigns that focus on so many different aspects. Like this 
It seems like very deep as a as a as a setting with full of full of hooks for adventures. Oh yeah, yeah. That that was always our hope to just be like, and, and I think that's why uh, in the core rulebook we we don't explain everything, and that's kind of an, an intention to be like, if you have a question, you as a GM or you as a player, go explore it and find out the answer to that question because we're not going to tell you. We're not going to tell you if the constructs are sentient and have a soul we're just gonna let you figure it out yourself uh there's one thing known in the the setting that we we definitely tell people and that's the architects don't even understand the science behind reanimating a corpse like they they do it and they understand the processes that gets them there but the the final spark of life that occurs like that part of the science hasn't been figured out exactly uh but they do it anyway because it, it saves humanity. But it's just kind of like this unknown little thing. Uh, this X upon the equation that is still unknown. Um, so it's really interesting. I agree with you there, Ben, as well, about that that fact that it's so deep. Like, even you've, you've only just told us that thing about, like, Citadel Law. So it states that, like, your body is not your own. You now have a campaign about people who have to go and retrieve bodies that people are trying to bury. Like, yeah. like you, that can be one of like, your, your party's job is, like, Oh yeah, you there we've heard that there's going to be a funeral here, like a cremation here. You need to go collect that before. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and there's a, a picture that uh our second our spot artist is doing that is this woman crying as uh, a bunch of militia are car carting her husband's dead body away, you know, her not having the ability to kind of grieve or or perform any sort of uh postmortem ceremony. Um it's tough yeah that's so good this is it's just so good like the, the <laughs> art for it's good the, the 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 mechanics are cool the settings cool i'm i'm genuinely excited if if it comes out uh uh play me or maybe a bit after um so i was gonna say before my son is born because my wife is pregnant um Ooh. but maybe a bit after like we, we, oh we, man we, how many trigger. months like yeah like so how many months uh if you don't mind me asking uh maybe it's doing july oh man uh, so that's Max. when it goes goes on so give it a few months and maybe <laughs> me me and ben can stream it on oh the yeah flickering torch twitch channel twitch.tv forward slash the flickering torch <laughs> like, thank you uh, 730 gmt or bst depending on what england's on at that point um, <laughs> i'm sold the game sounds awesome um, yes. I can't wait for this 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 May Kickstarter. I want my special uh, Pod Many Things exclusive card deck. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it's got. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, uh, we're working on a slipcase for like the two books too, and like just just keep upping the the value uh, and the the quality of the book. Um, that is yeah. one of the good things about tabletop RPGs, though, I, especially the indie variety, because like you, mm -hmm. your Dungeons and Dragons books look nice on your shelf. They do. But then you see things like the Forbidden Lands book, yeah, like mm -hmm. the the like rubberized texture of the of the Blades in the Dark book. Like I, I've I've recently uh, kickstarted a, the Good Society, Good Society. Yeah, I love the Good Society. Oh yeah. man, like oh, the, those oh. books are fucking beautiful. Yeah, like they're actually like novel folios. Like they they look so good, and I've I've got my physical copy coming thanks to the reprint. But like. Uh, one of the cool things about indie RPGs is that you can see the love and care that people put into them. So hearing you saying like we're gonna have this card deck, we're gonna have these this slipcase for the books, and 
all yeah. this cool shit like it's obvious that you you not only believe in this project but you want your your customers and the people who buy it to get the most out of it yeah i mean my hope is to have all the books spread out on my bed and i just like sleep in it for a couple of days uh, and then <laughs> those are the copies i'll send over to you guys so, like, have have at it you're, you're, uh, we have your energy <laughs> yeah exactly it's just like a swimming on half full of, of necrobiotic yeah uh, like, cards like scrooge mcduck <laughs> <laughs> So one thing I did promise is for you and Ben to have a bit of a moment to discuss indie RPGs, like maybe give some recommendations for people to look at. Um, And then we will do our final segment and goodbyes. And our final segment is the deck of many questions where you get to pick a number and where we ask you a question that could be spicy or not ben was asked which monster from the monster manual in dnd he would have sexual intercourse with um, i just want to point out that i have listened to almost every episode of the pod of many things and no one else had a question that was so demeaning <laughs> that's <laughs> just that's just you yeah, yeah. I, I think the question should be which book should you have will you do you prefer to have sexual intercourse with of the dnd uh lineup uh, so so yeah, so let's let's talk in tabletop indie RPGs because I do think that they they deserve a bit more of a shout out now that Ben has finally converted me because I was I was that Ooh, guy, yeah. I was yeah. that guy. Like Dungeons and Dragons is it, man? I just want to play Dungeons and Dragons. Leave me alone. Just get that shit out my face. And then like I met like Ben <laughs> and yeah. he, he played Knights Black Agents, and then that opened my eyes to like oh, the, the dark. Such good stuff. And yeah, in. In my very humble opinion, uh, I definitely believe the best games are coming out of the indie market right now. Uh, and I, I do love me some D&D and I do love me some Pathfinder. Uh, and that much love to those companies. But like the amount of creativity and love for every book that's coming out of the indie community is just like, oh, you could feel it. Um, but my first recommendation is... The Genesis Rebirth, uh, the post-apocalyptic TTRPG done by Six More Vodka, uh, which is actually, I think, the first TTRPG game company that produced a alcohol specific for the game, uh, which was just Six More Vodka, which was 6% more proof than, like, the average vodka. Um, yeah, I know, right? I think you can power your car with it or something like that. So, <laughs> um, But, yeah, like, it is... I think it is the best produced TTRPG on the market. Uh, Six More Vodka also does art for like Marvel, for Riot Games, so League of Legends. So they just, they have a plethora of, and they're an art studio for the most part in their TTRPG project the Genesis Rebirth was like their side project. Um, hey, so shit. yeah, uh, looking through the book, <laughs> check out the trailer. It is, it is, it looks like a movie. Uh, it is gorgeous live action trailer. They have two of them. Uh, and so check it out. That is Genesis Rebirth. Mine is, uh, my, my one is, is Good Society by Story Brewers. I think that it's, I yeah. love, I'm an English teacher. Like, I love Jane Austen. I think it's the funniest thing ever. Like, like, the, it is truly the best. I've had yeah. so much fun times in that uh, in that setting. It's I, I just need to I need to convince the boys to play it on the stream, and then we'll. Oh play no, it on we're stream. all in. You already know we're all in. Yeah. Yes. Uh, what are you thinking, Ben? Tell us. Tell us what you're. Plugging. My favorite RPG is literally usually the one that I read last. So what, what I finished Agon very recently, John Harper, and I think the second edition has got a different writer. Who is Nitna? 
something. Um, but I'm I've now just finally got the PDF copy of Shiver, which I was so excited about when it launched on Kickstarter because it's got that awesome. Uh, I think Ben Milligan does the art, but it's very Mike Mignola esque, and it's kind of like a weird horror game. Uh, it, it's almost I don't want to call it like a setting agnostic book because it's not like you very obviously have to play a certain kind of story with it yeah. uh, but you kind of within those confines can create your own thing I want to run the most fucked up version of Scooby-Doo humanly possible where <laughs> Scooby gets like skinned by Jason Voorhees and the, on the gang of running away and you, you know you let's do it oh, oh, that's, that's, <laughs> that might be my next thing after the one that I always recommend on stream for Binlands it's still great if you want a fantasy RPG, check that out. Um, and then I can't, you know, I can't disparage my good boy Hanker and Fernell. Uh, so ICRPG, you need to check that out. It's like the best one-shot game that you can possibly run. You can get that to the table in yeah. like 2.5 seconds flat. Uh, I will say as well, like Mecha Hacks a bit like that. I, I did. Oh, sorry, Matt. Matt, I no, love you're... you. Like, Matt, I, I fucking love you. Like, you gave me something I didn't even know I needed in the Mecha Hacks. And the, and the mission manual and everything so i uh, uh, like mecha hack is just this simple mecha RP rpg using the black hack system where you just get to punch things in giant robots yeah. and it's like the most satisfying thing in the world like and then yeah. one last massive thing that you should back on kickstart when it finally makes it is a uh, necrobiotic you should definitely yeah that up. <laughs> <Necrobiotic>. <laughs> hey, there's your plug you get the you, get that. <laughs> you go 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 plug it uh yeah <laughs> do that pre-lunch email thing I, I will say we are um for we were thinking about early backers giving away the italian pdf uh of the the books just for people to look at uh even if you don't read italian um so yeah that, that will be really interesting and cool to see um but yeah but yeah, no, thank you so much, Mitchell, for for being on and, and talking to both me and Ben. I know it's it's a bit weird for some people who, who are listening, like Ben, Ben's here. Like Ben Ben's not here till till Tuesdays normally. Why is why is he on the pod of many things? So, like but um yeah, it's been it's been great talking to you about this project. Like I'm I'm really excited. Uh I can't wait to back it and and to see you and and your friends who who put so much love into this into this product get the recognition you deserve because i think a lot of people are gonna come out and see that you guys are actually like fucking serious like it, it's such a good product like that you've come out yeah. swinging like uh, a bit like our friend laurie who's who's made some great games um i think that's that's one thing that the the indie scene needs at the minute is people to come out swinging with great products to show that people don't have to work at wizards of the coast or paizo to do something meaningful in space they can get together with their mates and you know have have a pop, pop and it can be really successful so thank yeah. you no for problem and we do have pop. construct so we'll always send yeah. that out if need uh, you, you'll finish the people off who who decide <laughs> yeah <laughs> we know how to reanimate people it's in the book yeah is that your tier one Kickstarter goal? Get to become a construct when you yeah. die. <laughs> yeah. Who wants that? Uh, show, show that's a stretcher. That's like that's a stretch goal. You have to be a certain certain like yeah. 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 The highest pledge is you donate your body to the. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for science. Yeah. yeah, we really appreciate it. <laughs> so it is time, Mitchell. Are you ready to face 
the deck of many questions here on let's the do it let's do it i'm ready so for those of you who know and those of you who don't you know the deck of many questions it is our community suggested question list pulled from the hat randomly in this case mitchell is going to select a number between one and 75 and if you would like to stack the deck in or out of our favor you can add questions by commenting on uh facebook twitter instagram youtube probably not facebook actually because i suck at checking that one but like (laughs) basically anywhere where you can leave a comment dm or whatever i'll put your deck your question in the deck and then i will shout you out when i ask that questions when i ask you that question i will learn to talk eventually um so Kind of between one and having a podcast, being able to talk. Yeah, I know. It's like, <laughs> uh, we'll get Ben on this one as well. So we'll get we'll do the guest first, and then I'll do that, my co-host. And get that's, him. That's, that's the horrific one. He's got that one saved. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> Mitchell, between 1 and 75? 69. 69, nice. he's doing it. So, <laughs> controversial question. A question I hate and was put in here by my old uh, co-host, Leon. I know you're listening, and I still hate this question, like I did when you put it in. Um, why do you think bards are the best class, or any bard like adjacent in uh, in the RPGs? Why are they the best class? This is yeah. this is tough. I, I feel like they're normally looked at as the worst class, uh, or at least I, the class that is made fun of the most. I hate them personally. Just, just making <laughs> you aware. This is why my wife plays one in our current campaign, just to oh, see me upset. Stretch goal. We're just going to add a bard to antibiotic. <laughs> it's a random bard. It's... And the picture is Addison's old MySpace picture. <laughs> <laughs> Get to play this. Yeah. <laughs> the stretch goal is just called Fuck You, Addison. <laughs> oh, man. I, I think bards, they're playing a different game. Entirely <laughs> than than everyone else, and, and especially people who who come to play them. You're like, all right, I'm really good at charisma, and I I will always be really good at charisma. My whole thing during a fight will be to charisma at people, and <laughs> I will charisma at people out of combat, in combat. Um, there are no other stats on my sheet. It's just <laughs> charisma. Um, and so if I can't charisma my way out of this scenario, I will charisma during it and let my fellow friends deal with the consequences of my charisma. Um, (laughs) and so for that, that is why it is the best class because it is a class on its own tier that does what it wants with the ability to move nations or to lead directly to a TPK TPK with just one sentence. Um, the it's bard, yeah, the bard true. in its glory. That that that's it. That's why it's the best. <laughs> now I really want to see someone Photoshop a D and D character sheet where it's just charisma, like massive <laughs> in the middle, and then all the other, all the other stats in like full size font, just like <laughs> clustered around it. Uh, Ben, you also get to choose a... Well, a... 69 is gone, so we'll go for 42.0. Oh, 42.0. Yeah. What class have you never played that you want to play via our friend Dave Paul on YouTube? These are all very D&D. Addison, remember to smash cut this and, like, apologise for technical difficulties or something. Hi, Addison. <laughs> oh. Hi, future Addison. We love uh, you. Yeah. Oh, Thank wow. you very much. So, sorry about that. We've had a bit of a technical issue, but uh, 
We're back. Ben was just about to answer question 42 of the deck of Point many qu questions that says the class, what class have you never played that you want to play from Dave Paul via YouTube? This could, I will, because you said that it's very D&D centric, I will allow you to say things like playbooks or things from other games. You'll just have to specify what game you're, you're mentioning. I just want to play some Vampire the Goddamn Masquerade. I've never got to fucking play it properly. I just want to play oh it my gosh. We should play it sometime. Yes, we should! <laughs> oh my Thank god! You, you might have just made Ben come in his pants. I don't know. Like, you can demonetize this <laughs> on YouTube for that. <laughs> Look, find want... a time. I will run the game, get a group together. Let's do it. Because I uh, love be some Vampire the Masquerade. My hipster Ventru is going to be... oh. With his washing machine based <laughs> nightclub, right? Yeah, that's it. I want to play. I want to play Aventru and Vampire the Masquerade in like a proper, like modern campaign. None, none of this medieval nonsense. Mm -hmm. I want to be. A, I want to explore my own personal horror. That's what I want to do. Uh, but if we're talking D and D classes, I've never played a warlock. Warlock seems cool. You know what class I don't want to play because it's dumb and stupid. A monk. That's right, Addison. I said it again. I fucking, oh. I fucking said it again. Monks annoy me because they're halfway to what I want. Like, I want to play a brawler, but I don't want this wisdom shit. That's why I'm punching people in the face, because I'm not wise enough to pick up a goddamn sword. Uh, so... You've just made an, uh, an enemy out of Addison. Or an adversary. An adversary. adversary of Addison. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't want to be wise and shit. Just let me punch something in the face. I do think they did miss a trick with making a fighter subclass, which is literally just brawler. Like, they've literally galvanized every other player class but monk. Like, they're like, no other yeah. class can have, like, a monk-like thing of punching people yeah. in the face. What I, <laughs> what I really want them to do as a subclass is just like, fuck it, dump wisdom now. You're not using it anymore. Yeah. Uh, you're barely a monk. You're just gonna punch things in the face and then, like, Little in their little bits. Welcome to the fucking <laughs> subclass. Like we're just going like, for it. Uh, the the little flavor hope. text at the start they always put his man too angry to die. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's, the, what's the state where weird things just happen? Is it California man or my Floridian man? Is it, yeah, Florida. Florida man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Florida man. <laughs> the subclass fight a Floridian man. Mon <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I would love that. Like. Roll. It's it's almost like the the wild magic roll where you just every time you punch someone you randomly roll and like an alligator shows up and you have to also beat the crap out of it. Just uh, half half of the table is just explosives. Yeah. You just yeah. I roll a thirteen. What does that say? <laughs> Fuck you. Apparently, that's yeah. what do I do with that? How do I role play that? I don't. It's not my you. You rolled it. You you it's take like, it from there. You chose the subclass, bro. All so, the other yeah. like weird crimes that you are also somehow committed at the same time. Like you've decided yeah, to steal like, a duck they get it from the local fat, uh, the local uh, yeah. fountain, or something like that, or the local park. You've decided to steal a duck. Yeah, it just gets announced during <laughs> combat. Like you, you, you punch, you surge, you stole a duck. You have a duck in your hand now, and someone's like, "Hey, that guy just stole a duck," and you're like, "What the? F just what? happened? I thought we were fighting." Also, can we please make this subclass? Like, we need to get we need to get down on the nitty gritty on making Floridian, this subclass. Floridian war. man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so good. But yeah, yeah, I I really just excited about the wild, the the Floridian surge table. <laughs> it's it's hurricane season. 
better start looting. <laughs> like, just like, <laughs> you have a TV <laughs> somehow. <laughs> just like, what the hell? Level 20, you get to just summon the other <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> You get to uh, you're beating person death while binge watching drivers. What's it? D- d- drive-ins, dives, and whatever it's called. I can't remember. We'll cook for your your dinner. Guy, F- your your bar turns into Guy Fieri for an hour, and that's uh, the wild it's, turn. It's just hero's face reskinned, but Guy Fieri comes and dunks oh, Right. Well. You summon like one d four Jersey Shore uh, people uh, to fight, <laughs> and they're not going to fight or do anything. They're they're just going to like do vicious mockery. Other. Yeah, or they're going <laughs> to like just slap. Or they're going to pretend that they're going to fight. They're going to go. What are you going to do about it, bro? What are you going to do about it? You going to? Yeah, yeah. What? What? <laughs> oh my god. Uh, so. They they roll intimidate checks with like a minus five. <laughs> um, so before we d- dive into the deep recesses of our imaginations and psyches and decide that uh, Guy Fieri is our new god and our new warlock patron, um, we're yes. gonna sign out. We're Already gonna there. sign out and say goodbye to you all. Thank you very much for listening. Um, Mitchell, would you uh, actually? We'll do Ben first. Plug yourself again, Ben, for those people who made it this far. Then we'll sign out with Mitchell, and then boom. Hi everyone, I've been Ben from The Flickering Torch, your temporary co-host for today. Uh, you can find me at twitch.tv slash Torch every Tuesday night at 7.30 British Standard Time, or if you're watching this way later when it's winter again, uh, Greenwich Mean Time. You can also catch the VODs over on youtube.com slash Torch, as well as some opinion pieces, reviews, that kind of malark. Uh, you can follow me at twitch at flickeringtorch. Um, just follow me. Like in general, around a supermarket, that works too. <laughs> okay, following that, find you in a supermarket. <laughs> um, Mitchell, tell, tell us about t- uh, sign off. Tell us about yourself. When are we going to see Necrobiotic on Kickstarter? Yeah. Um, so yeah, you can find Necrobiotic May twelfth on Kickstarter. Uh, it will be early in the morning, right before my vaccination. Uh, and I will just be watching uh, during the whole process. Uh, really excited for it. You can find updates on my Twitter, which is Penny for a Tail. Um, and you can probably pretty much find me anywhere on that that moniker. Uh, you can also check out our website, pennyforatail.com, as well as our two streams, Weave the Tail and Penny for a Tail. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. There's a lot of stretch goals, a lot of cool things we want to add to the book, uh, but we can always only do it with the support and love from the community. So send thy love and i promise we will turn it into a well-constructed construct you've, you've got mine and ben's support and as usual i'm addison i'm your favorite friendly furball who hangs around the internet and i hope whoever you are wherever you are whenever you are you're safe you're well and you're making some awesome memories around the table see you in a bit subscribe to the flickering torch on YouTube. like <laughs> the- <laughs> that is my uh hang on that's the timetable no go to the green room fuck <laughs> craig leave you left earlier but you need to leave all of this in bro <laughs>